Welcome to Sonic Talk, episode 581, recording today on Wednesday the 26th of June, actually just before Glastonbury starts, which I'm guessing is now a global event. I think they televise it all over the world, and there's certainly people from all over the world there. I think I don't know what sort of numbers they're expecting. I've heard various figures between 100 and 200,000. Too many people in one place with very limited toilet facilities for my liking, but... If you're going, I hope you have fun. Looks like there's going to be weather, so that's good. Uh, this is the Sonic State podcast. This is all to do with music technology, music production, electronic music, software, controllerism, many, many other things. Uh, we've been having a little bit of a pre-roll. We record every Wednesday, and there's uh, we sort of go live a little bit early, which uh, you can still see on YouTube. I think I keep the thing up. We've also had, we've had some great science show titles already. Science Fiction Farticle was a good one, and uh, Suffering from Buffering was another one because we had a bit of an audio delay, but... Uh, We'll see what the show brings up. Uh, I want to say thank you very much to Isotope, who are providing the prize this week. Uh, you'll be able to win a copy of Neutron 3, which is their excellent mix processing plugin. So stay tuned for details on that. Uh, so let's say hello to uh, Yoad Nevo, who is uh, finally, we've we managed to synchronise, so he's not uh, out of the office. He's at the office now, or at least his studio office. Uh, new secret, well, not secret, new facility in London, which is... Uh, has been a long time in the making. Yoad, of course, uh, mix engineer, producer, uh, songwriter, as well as a developer for Waves, uh, sort of by, um, what's the word, by career path at the moment, if that sounds right. How are you, Yoad? You well? Yeah, I'm great. Yeah. Good. Good Excellent. to be here, as always. And how's the studio now? Is, uh, has all the dust covers come off? Is everything functioning as you, yeah, uh, yeah. As you hope? Yeah. Yeah, just loving it here really nice and you know when you when you start designing a new place from from the ground up and all the wiring and all the kind of different possibilities of um connecting stuff together and linking stuff together uh the machine room and this and you know it really pays off uh i've been in the 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 last studio i've been there for 10 years and i did a good design initially but there's stuff that kind of accumulated, like more cables and more things and more USBs and more, you know. And this time, I think that I got it right for at least a good few years. Excellent. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, I think your delays come back, but I guess we might have to live with it because if it's going to keep coming back and you've rebooted the machine, I'm not sure what else we can do. So we'll just have to uh, we'll just have to live with it for the time being. If you're further, you know, you're further back in the shot, so it's just as long as you're moving <laughs> and gesticulating. <laughs> I'll just cover. I just cover my mouth while I speak, <laughs> and then no one will know the difference. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> well, um. Yeah, uh, like I say, we've, uh, well, first of all, we, yeah, we got Glastonbury this weekend, uh, which is a massive TV event. I don't, have you ever been, Yard? I mean, because I imagine some of the bands you've mixed may have been sort of heading off to uh, promote the latest recordings there. Do you ever get the kind um, of Yeah, no, I've, I've not been. I've not been. Uh, I've been to the Isle of Wight once and I actually played there. Um, but uh, that was my kind of. Um, no, I've not been to Glastonbury. Wow, it's amazing, isn't it? Really, it's it, it's. I know, uh, I know. I, Probably one one of the only kind of people in the UK. But uh, <laughs> there you go. Well, the amount of people that go. I mean, I I started out going. I think uh, about in early nineteen eighties. I think was I it was I was sixteen when I first went. Um, I'm still. I mean, I can't imagine there are many parents now that would let such young kids go alone yeah. to a festival like that. But I mean, it was much mm -hmm. smaller. So. Uh, but it was it was still very it was very uh, murky, shall we say? Lots of uh, yeah. lots of lots of underworld and underground stuff going on there. But it was great fun. I mean, I remember the first year. I can't. Um, I'm trying to think who I saw. Randy California. Um, oh, I think Weather Report. Maybe can't remember. So I saw actually saw Joe Zawinul play live at a festival. It was very good. It was back around the time of the album called Domino Theory, which was I think one of the last Weather Report albums. But yeah, I saw. I think I saw this uh, this show in Tel Aviv when they ah, performed okay. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was amazing. 
They've yeah, fan, such fantastic. I think Wayne Shorter was playing, not Pastorius. I forget who the bass player was, but so uh, yeah, I was into all of that stuff back then. So it was a real treat. Yeah, me too. And I was I was saying me before too. the show that I was uh, I probably just took a load of uh, dried packet soup and pot noodles to feed myself at the time. But now you can dine very finely at great expense. It must be added. So uh, yeah, big can of water and a kettle, you'd be fine. Although you still have to. Burn. <laughs> Um, so yeah, what are we uh, what are we talking about this week? Well, I, there's there's been it's it's weird. This is a really sort of delayed action thing, and I'll start with a video because it might explain. It'll be a clue. So we don't have is, any information uh, how it started. We do have cause investigators both from Los from Angeles Fire Department and ago. LA County Fire Department. Once we get a better handle on the fire, we'll be. This able to is the footage of a sort of live report of the, the uh, fire that was at Universal Studios, the UMG group in I can't the back tell lot. You if it was uh, if it was uh, King and, um, involved, as we are, are now discussing. Discovering, uh, and this is something that Universal uh, right now, have sort of been trying to keep a bit quiet. Not only was uh, a lot building. of film uh, stock lost, but there was a lot um, of master audio recordings. Cheryl right you know, Crow has just come out and has been talking about how, she, hey, wait, where are my tapes? And because the, the thing that's what's turned out now is, I think I've got a video here, uh, not a video, a web page. Um, she's kind of... She's really realised that you know it's destroyed all the master tapes, and not only the masters, but the backups. And the thing about master tapes is these could be the session tapes, so there might be a whole load of songs that didn't make it on the record that were incomplete recordings that you might want to go back to later on because it was a particularly creative period. And people quite often go back and rework on their things. And this is this is you know there this is heavy heavy shit. I mean, if you don't mind me saying that, yeah. I mean, I can't imagine how you totally. could have the safeties and the and the masters in the same building for starters. That just seems insane to me. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I talk to a lot of people who have you know who work on their iPads or phones or or laptops, and 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 I always ask, is it backed up? You know what happens? No, it'll be fine. Maybe I have some of it on this hard drive or this, and you know. Backing up is it. It shouldn't even be like a, an issue. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you should have as many as many as you as you possibly can. And uh, and I can I can tell you about how I how I work and how I back up stuff. I mean, it's quite because uh, I work in Dropbox, so all my projects are in Dropbox. So it's already showing up on two other computers. Uh, which are linked to the same account. Uh, one of them um, backs up everything to um, the Apple thing. What's it called? Um, uh, yes. Time, no, time machine. Time machine. Time machine. Yeah. Uh, while at the same time, it's uploading to Backblaze. Yes, I use so, Backblaze uh, as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? So everything that I do is already in like six different places, three of them of which are not, or two of them are not local even. Yeah. Three, because the laptop is at home, you know. So it's like, um, and once you, I, I, I recommend to anyone to just create a system that does things automatically because I used to burn stuff to CDs and later to DVDs and Blu-rays and, and things like that and hard drives and then where overwrite or not or replace or not and all that it's it, it, you know uh it's much better to have an automatic system that just does it for you however small it may be as long as it involves like two or or preferably three uh, other places that the data can be stored on Oh yeah, no, I totally uh, agree. I mean, it's the th the thing that's really interesting about this is because I remember back at the time, you know, Cheryl Crow. Uh, it was was it Dave Bottrell was the um, the engineer, and uh, mm -hmm. Daniel Lanois was involved, and they're really into analog, which is great, and it's lovely to have all that sound. But the problem with analog is you can't do that. You actually have to make either a digital clone, which I you know of the well, you can make, track, or you have to you have to do have two twenty four tracks and clone one to the other. I mean, which is a massive resource hog i mean that and that's a real disadvantage i would say well i mean if you're working on a on a major album so if you're talking about the expense or the, the cost of the tape it's not it's not that significant um and you just do it um you just do it and by the way if you want to be copying 
a, an analog tape to another machine, um, there's an interesting way of doing it backwards. Because when you do it backwards, um, so you, you put the, the playback one backwards and then you record it to the other machine and then all the transients, instead of kind of bending the or, or shocking the, the magnetic field that, that um, and create interference which can be distorted, are built up. Basically, oh, so really? if you that's interesting. Yeah. So would they sound? So, so would that mean that they would get, actually sound get, different? It would sound just a little bit more crisp on the transients. It's uh, uh, and then obviously you you reverse the the recorded tape and you play it normally, and then uh, so if you do it throughout the whole length, it's exactly the same, and uh, that's a nice way of of doing it. That is a not really. I'd never not, heard that. Yeah, but not that anyone should be experiencing that kind of issues these days. So, there's another question. I mean, because I haven't, I, I, I mean, we used to get copies of multi tracks sent because we did lots of remixing and it would always come on two inches mm -hmm. or, or dash or whatever, and we'd have to get it transferred. There was a quite a yeah. big, you know, a studio would have a copy facility because, you know, you don't want to tie up your main studio rooms just because you're copying yeah. master tapes. When you're copying from one to another and there's Dolby involved or some kind of noise reduction, would you copy them without noise reduction? How would that work? Um, that's that's a good question. I, I think... Uh, hmm, haven't thought about that one, actually. Because otherwise it you, would you make get sense. It would make, no, it, no, it would make sense to, to copy, because basically the Dolby is there in order to prevent the, or to lower the hiss that comes from tape. Now, if you record it, if you put the Dolby decoder on, then you reduce the hiss first time, but then when you introduce the hiss again uh, on the copy. So it would make sense to basically to let the noise accumulate. And then you may have to tweak the decoder. Um, you may have to tweak the, the threshold because oh, okay. the noise level has increased. Uh, so but you not, may have I mean, to... and not only that. So I mean, I remember back in the day. Uh, again, you know, when you when you'd have uh, studio rates, you'd have the Atari twenty four track higher rate, and then you would pay extra for a rack of Dolby S or whatever it was. So mm -hmm. if you need yeah, to Dolby do, SR. So, so if you were then going from one tape to another, you need two racks of Dolby SR or Dolby at the same time. I mean, that just you know, just the amount of hardware that you need just to make copies is it's, it's insane. Well, no, not really, because if you encode it once to to the original tape and then you record it just straight to the other tape, and then you just need the the Dolby again on playback as normal. Right. Okay. Uh, um. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel you. I mean, I always used to back up stuff. I remember backing up my S1000 uh, memory contents. Onto that. ASEBU board. And that would, I'd always have to do it twice because sometimes it would work and sometimes it yeah, wouldn't. You know, I know. You say do two times. Do you know, and have you ever listened to the actual sound from this DAT? It's like the, modem, the isn't it? Isn't it modem talk? No, it's but, not. It's not. That's the funny thing. It actually transmits, and that's why you get such a um, a big error rate, because it actually transmits PCMs. If you listen to it, you'll hear like a few blobs, like like that, which is the header and the file name and all that. And then it will actually play the file, and at the end it will do another kind of check some whatever oh, end my. of file, and that's how it would transmit it through PCM. So it'd like resample it effectively, but but the data it, would be yeah. How interesting. So it will, yeah. So it just gives it the the kind of metadata at the end of, and at the beginning of the file, and then plays it as audio. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, yes, backup is very important. And you're right. The the whole cloud thing. I mean, we moved to cloud uh, here for a, a, you know for a lot of reasons. But I mean, the, the thing that's really scary about this is you know there there are lots of you know, those Billy Holiday, Louis Armstrong, Aretha Franklin, Ray Charles, Elton John, Janet Jackson, Nirvana, Eminem, all of these people's masters, and in some cases the safety copies of those masters have been lost. 
I'm not sure. I mean, not in every case that's going to be a problem. The problem is, is when there's unreleased material that hasn't been mixed and maybe, you know, mm -hmm. hasn't been mastered. That's where yeah. you get the issue. And presumably that would only be the tape. I mean, you know, as we know, cellulose film stock, which would have been, that was really scary. They must have lost a lot of that stuff. And digitizing that to high quality is expensive and probably something they would do. Also, doing. the technology, also, the technology keeps changing. So at the time, you, you know, you wouldn't want to be using, um, kind of uh, digital copies that were made in the 80s or something yeah, like that. You would like want VHS, to have access to... A VHS, but... Uh, to, you know what <laughs> I mean? So, and I heard, I, heard, I heard this story. I'm not sure whether it's entirely true, but um, about the Canadian government who have uh, who had this audio museum or, or kind of... Uh, and they did a massive digitizing um, project, but they did three so Oof. you know what i mean so basically Ouch. you want to to be able to to keep the the originals as as long as you can because the technology keeps changing and then you want to to use the latest conversion and uh, bitrate and whatever you Wow, yeah. So anyway, the fire happened in 2008. Uh, various people now, um, the, the big scandal seems to have been that, uh, allegedly I should probably put around this, is that Universal Audio played down the amount of damage, but in the background claimed like 150 grand's worth, $150 million worth of insurance claims against it, but haven't actually sold any, told anything to the artist. So the artist is now discovering, they go, where's my master tapes? It's like, well, uh, uh. so now there's, uh, I'm trying to think who there are. There's a oh, bunch no. of people who've got a class action and they are now sort of rightly i think having a go because umg group are the the world's biggest record company and it's quite a scandal really yeah. that you know their entire archive creative i mean i'm sure it's not everything but you know that there are probably other copies that would then need to be sourced but geez what a what an absolute and nightmare. that's and that's that just shows you the difference between kind of yesteryear's um conglomerates and today's because now if a, if a server farm uh, on Amazon kind of uh, gets destroyed on a fire or something then nothing really will happen to anyone because uh, all yeah, the data well, is got, kind of spread all over the place and uh, I think there are some instances where it might but you know I mean if it's been a little while since the last backup you might lose some data I mean but we operate all our stuff in the cloud we don't operate um our video editing in the cloud yet. Although I just discovered this rather fantastic uh, video editing service, which is online. You upload a video, it's for titling and stuff. And so we might start using that, but um, that's not really, that just means that we're for, for, for overlays and whatnot. But uh, it's mm -hmm. all going that way. And, and, and that convenience does mean that when you're working cloud-based, then you do have inherent backups. And that's the thing. I mean, analog is great, but lots of people, for instance, they might kind of go, oh, I've got this lovely eight-track analog, and they're not going to have a copy. They're just going to be using... You know, like I know people like Porter's Head and stuff. You know, I know Ed Utley has a one inch, one inch eight track, which he likes to bounce drums onto and then bring them back in. You know, so but or maybe yeah. not. Maybe you master onto that, and you just kind of like, it's it's all yeah. That that's the downside. So there is a positive to the digital world, and because now the sound is so good that you know it's not quite the same thing as everybody sounding like a horrible brash Pro Tools mix from the nineteen eighties. You know, so. Yeah, but there was something about that too that I kind of miss as well. <laughs> you know, there's all there's always, always something to reminisce about. Uh, yeah. The thank good goodness. old 16-bit sound, you know. Yeah, well, thank goodness. But, Otherwise, uh, there'd be with me nothing for us to talk about on this show. But yeah, um, so yeah. I mean, I think this story's going to run and run and they're going to be chased around a little bit and probably have to uh, have to come up with something. But uh, yikes, it just looked very scary. Yeah. Well, I have a few ideas for, for backups if they need any advice on that. Well, the thing, I think the problem is, is like, <laughs> say, for instance, with us, you know, video is a lot more difficult because we're generating much larger amounts of files. So it gets harder. Yeah. You know, like we, if we do a filming session here uh, with six cameras and the multi-stream, you know, we could generate 300 gigabytes in an hour. Mm -hmm. and, and, that's so, a lot. and that's not really something that we can very easily just cloud. It's just it would take longer than overnight to get that up to somewhere because we we don't have that fat a pipe and even with a fat pipe that's yeah. still probably yeah, going it's some, isn't it? Time. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's going to be a bottleneck. So 
yeah, at the same time, you know how I mean having like one old computer running in the background, just uploading all this stuff from the network I suppose. automatically. You know, yeah. you can have like uh, scripts and, and schedules and things like that that would say, okay, back me this folder every <laughs> every night or something like that, back it up and, you know, just let it work. I have one machine like that, an 8-core uh, Mac from uh, Mac Pro from 2008. You know, it used to be a workhorse, but now it just has loads of hard disks connected and a lot of network just connections and it just just uploads stuff all the time. Uh, just just for your information, uh, Move in the chat room says uh, they have an old 90s PT Pro Tools TDM rig for sale if you're interested, Yoad, if you want to get back to the old days. <laughs> You've probably still I actually, got your, still got I, one, have, right? I actually have one machine which works like a Mix Plus system on a Mac um, G4 that runs, I think, Pro Tools 6 or maybe 5.4, whatever the last one used to be on uh, OS 9. And it should, in theory, still work. I have a few pro projects that, um, you know, that if, if I ever need them, I can, in theory, load them up and uh, and continue from where I was. E hopefully. Yeah, okay. How often do you <laughs> need to do that? Good luck with that. I mean, this said. is the thing, because we've got, <laughs> we've got racks and racks and racks of hard drives. I mean, we get through two pairs of three gig. We, we, do, we do about... I don't know, however many terabytes, probably about 15 terabytes a year of storage space, maybe a bit more than that. And they just sit there in these rats. That, and I don't think we've ever gone back more than, you know, a I think it's a good, ago. Yeah, but I think it's a good advice to, to let them spin every once in a while. Just connect the power plug, let it run for 10 minutes, because otherwise the, the rubber and all the kind of moving uh parts kind of get uh dried up and things like that it's good to, to to keep it going to let it kind of spin for a while every now and then i never yeah, do it but i, I must say. yeah i must admit great <laughs> advice but it's not something i'm going to be spending my afternoon doing <laughs> exactly like 100 drives that's going to take yeah. no but i, I mean I, tried, for that. I i i started a massive project um uh, a couple of years ago of just digitizing not just digitizing but basically uploading my entire kind of uh, data, uh, you know, up to the cloud. And, yeah. and it just it, it takes a little bit of, uh, of time and you need to label it properly and everything. But then it's, it's all there. there. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I still keep the originals, but it's there. And I kind of I'm hoping that Dropbox will not go bankrupt or something like that overnight. Um, yeah, you get you get maybe, you know, a couple of months to download your stuff beforehand, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, I, mean, I seem to remember something like that happening. It's, it, you know, we get those things. It's like MySpace and these various kind of music uh, um, libraries mm -hmm. or places where you can leave your stuff and they, they say, you know, come and get your, your things because we're closing down. I, I'm sure that's happened in the past. It's been a topic. But, uh, yeah, it's the – but, yeah, use the cloud. It is your friend. And if you've got a decent enough uh, pipe, then you can get the stuff up there. And it's not that expensive to store. It really isn't. No. I mean, I and I would say use yeah. use two clouds as well. Right. Like two different services just because if one of them goes out of business or something like that, you still have it backed up. Uh, maybe not as easily accessible, but still something that you can retrieve. Wise words. Yes. Okay. They probably all use Amazon as a backbone of it behind the scenes anyway. So yeah, it, that might not, may or may not be uh, a viable. Yeah, but if but if Amazon servers go go down, I mean, civilization as we know it will. Yeah, it, cease I remember to it exist. happened. It happened once. I was on holiday and and Amazon went down and it was just basically everything stopped working. You can't do for, anything for like yeah, two or three yeah. days. Yeah, which was really weird. Anyway, we've probably dwelt on that long enough. Anyway, it's an interesting story and one that will run and run and run. Um, I think maybe now I could, uh, let's just get straight in there and do uh, a, a word from our friends at Isotope. We can get that out of the way. Presenting Neutron 3, the modern way to mix. Bring your workflow into the 21st century with eight modern mixing tools, all at your fingertips in one Mothership plugin. Starting a mix can take a while, but with the all-new Mix Assistant, Neutron can listen to your audio and quickly suggest a custom starting point for an individual track or set levels for your entire mix. 
Shape sounds like never before with the new Sculptor module. Match audio to a target sonic profile and instantly sculpt it to sound more like itself or like something else completely. Reach out and touch your audio with Neutron's immersive controls and visualizations. Neutron 3 comes equipped with Visual Mixer, a tool to help you effortlessly manipulate the landscape of your mix. Neutron 3, the modern way to mix. And of course, you could download a 10-day demo of Neutron 3 by going to isotope.com and uh, just signing up and you can get hold of that stuff. We had a competition last week uh, and we have a winner for this week and the winner is uh, well, a winner copy of Neutron 3 and that's the advanced version. So uh, just to point you out, the competition is for the advanced version. And this is Alan Smith, who's at smithy1138. And they tweeted, I love this because I'm terrible at mixing, which is it's probably a perfectly valid reason because it can help you very much, particularly the frequency masking um, is very, very useful. Uh, but uh, we're also going to have a competition for this week. So for next week's winner, you need to enter the hashtag MixAssistant and the hashtag Neutron3. I think we did that for Neutron2, but we're using the hashtag Neutron3 this time. So the hashtag MixAssistant and the hashtag Neutron3 to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. will enter you into the competition for next week's prize. So thanks again to Isotope for providing us with uh, their prize. Um, okay, so what's next? I've just I've got a title. I think I'm going to call this one the Back Apocalypse. The Back Up Apocalypse. The Back Up. It's very hard to say, okay. much easier to write. It's hard um, to say. It is hard to say. I'm not even going to try and say it again. That's way too difficult. Um, so what else is next? Yeah, um, that title, that, that, oh, sorry, we lost your master's. Oh, and the safety copies too, which could have been uh, at the show title as well. Um, Ableton Live Synth Course. Now, uh, where is that? I think I've got that somewhere. Uh, oh, yeah, here we go. That was really cool. This is called Learning Synth. It's basically learningsynth.ableton.com, and it's a really brilliant bit of HTML5 and JavaScript, and you can just kind of... Oh, I don't think I've actually got the audio in. That's probably not such a good... I wonder if I can do that now. That might... I can quickly get that in there. So, essentially, they've just created this uh, HTML5 web that will run on tablets, it will run on uh, phones, it will run on your desktop. I think this might work now. Yeah, we can hear something. I can't really hear that. Never mind. Maybe I've just turned it. Ah, oh, there we go. That'll work. Just full of these fantastic graphics, which I'm guessing they're using some kind of audio behind engine behind. And you can, you know, it takes you through uh, changing the oscillator speed. And all these brilliant graphics to illustrate, you know, right from amplitude, envelopes, oscillators, modifiers, filters. And it's just a really good resource, and it ends with uh, the Synthesis Playground, which, uh, uh, let's see, it's this giving you a number of patterns. And a sort of simple representation of a, a, a subtractive synth, all done in the browser. And it seems like a real labour of love. It's really good, isn't it? I mean, it's a beautiful piece of, uh, piece of design work. And literally free, That it's just... So if anyone ever wants to know what the synthesis is about, uh, that is the sort of thing that you could use. Um, Absolutely. Just what a great Absolutely. resource. This is, it's really amazing. And it, and it kind of, you know, it kind of gives you a hint of, of things to come, basically, in terms of education and stuff like that, because this applies to almost anything. Imagine mechanics and things like that. I'm sure there's stuff like that already. Uh, but... Um, but the fact that it generates sounds and all that, uh, there's something a bit sad about thinking about uh, all the kids that will, you know, not have the experience of, of tweaking knobs uh, in order to get sound. So it, it, it but it kind of, um, I don't know, it really imprints the, the notion that the screen is the way things are at the moment uh, and the, the way for, for things to come for sure yeah uh, I think this works but, this does work with I'm just looking for it so this this will do MIDI input so this has got a MIDI input oh look I'm playing it by a, I've got a keyboard set up here so it's got web MIDI and it's quite a uh, nice 
can't map any controllers, and sadly, but uh, yeah, it's not going to be long. <laughs> uh, we've talked about the web MIDI stuff before; it's quite handy. But it's just a really—you're yeah. right, though. It's just a brilliant graphical interface, and uh, well worth checking out if you just need to freshen up, and, um, or you maybe don't understand a concept. Just, I mean, there's not much more to say about it. They haven't made a big deal about it. They just sent a few quiet press releases out to a few partners and said, oh, do you want to let people know about this? And so this is part of it. But it is a really, I mean, just the, the just the way that all the That's amazing. work. Is really I'm going to definitely show it to my uh, four-year-old daughter and see if, whether she, she connects to it because I, I think it can be, you know, it's almost like a game. Yeah. At least to me, that it what, that what it looks like. Maybe she will not take it at all, but... Who knows? Yeah, well, exactly. And you can always... Ch uh, it's a sort of low-risk, low-expense check checking out whether or not she might be interested in that sort of world. Yeah. And then trying to find a synthesizer that looks anything like that. Because <laughs> <laughs> even Ableton don't make yeah. one. So <laughs> we'll have to see about that. But that was pretty cool. Um, okay, what else have we got? Oh, yeah, here we go. Now, this, is that, this was an interesting one. I mean, talk about long-tail product life. This is fascinating, I think. This is uh, from Hypersynth, and it's basically what they've done is they've made some new ROM cartridges for... Hey everyone, this is Ra from Madfame, and, and in front of me DX7. I have the HCard 750 designed by Hypersynth for the Roland D50. The HCard series offers a modern, portable storage solution for vintage synth owners. The current version of the 750 can store up to 64 banks with 64 presets per bank, giving you a total of 4096 presets that can be stored on the HCard. The HCard has a sleek solid build and features a two-digit seven-segment display with two pads for selecting files. Operation is easy. Insert the HCard, turn on the D50, and the di and And then it just turns up like a bank of presets. The same on the DX7 as well. I mean, mm -hmm. it's kind of... There's something I like about it, but I just think, why on earth would you uh, would you do this? Because you know, just use a soft version and then download all those patches on the computer. I suppose you still someone might be gigging with that and might need might go to a session and feel they have to take a keyboard with their <laughs> massive amounts of uh, a card for the DX7. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Can you picture that? That would be old school, wouldn't it? Absolutely old school. That would be really old school. Uh, but I remember that there used to be a guy in in Tel Aviv that used that used to make. These, these cartridges like back in when it was still relevant um, which was a few decades ago and he used to make like <laughs> I don't know four banks of 64 or whatever you know it was a huge amount for, for the time but uh, even even back then I used to work with the DX droid for, for the Atari to you know to create all the sounds and, and store and manage all the presets and all that so yeah I don't know it's a nice kind of gesture or something or salute to this old technology, but uh, uh, yeah, you yeah. have you, you have CSEX and and stuff like that, which is much more convenient. I wonder how. Yeah, I mean, I'm wondering how. I'm, I'm just taking me back to that kind of whole concept. Um, th there is a lot of talk in the chat room about a uh, big update to the Electron stuff, but I can't find any information about it, but everybody's getting quite excited. Uh, apparently Digitone now has ma uh, Digitech now has MasterTune and Digitone, so there's a, people are getting quite excited by that concept, but I cannot see, I'm looking on the Electron, Electron website, I can't see anything specific about it. Um, so uh, we'll just have to if you need to know, you probably will find out, but that, lots of people are quite excited about that. Uh, yeah, this is an interesting item, about 150 euros, I think. Uh, I think they make them in, um, let me see, I think it might be in, where are they made? They sell them in Perfect Circuit, Toman, coming soon, Order Now, Europe. Uh, where are they based? Uh, I think they're US, Hypersynth, Canada. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, Canada, EU, US, Canada. Oh, I'm not sure, to be honest, but the H card. If you need it, it could be the way forward, I suppose. But uh, the other thing you could probably do is figure out a way, because the Raspberry Pi 4 has also been announced, which uh, I've ordered yesterday, because uh, I'm a big fan of it. And I imagine there's probably a way you could figure out, you know, to, to put a ribbon connector and store all your patches on a little Raspberry Pi and dump them in there as well, uh, which would be another way of doing it. But hey. Um, yeah. Yes, for those who are interested, Raspberry Pi 4 has gigabit Ethernet finally, proper gigabit Ethernet with a separate controller and USB 3, which means you can use it for network backups. It could actually, you know, be that computer you're talking about that's sitting in the background just <laughs> pulling all the yeah. stuff off your network and uploading it to your cloud services. 
Yeah, I think that if you run all your data, all your data through a DX7 before it's going up to the cloud, then it will <laughs> improve the sound. Yeah, you know, that's an idea. Hexify it. it. <laughs> that's yeah, an exactly. idea. Yeah. So convert it to hex and then upload it. Wow. Imagine how long that would take. A very long time. Um, yeah, so there's not much more to say about that, really, is it? But, I mean, I'm thinking, so DX7, what, 1984? So that's... 83, if I remember so, correctly. Uh, 93, yeah. 2003, 2013, that's 35, 36 years, uh, and the product is still being supported and still working, and D50 as well. So good on yeah, them, I guess. A, it's a workhorse, I wonder how many yeah. they will sell, and what... Why would you buy one, I suppose? That would be the question. Can you think of a reason why you would... Why you well, I wouldn't discourage people from buying it because <clears throat> there's something kind of romantic about those folks who, who actually sat down and, and said, let's, you know, let's start this project of storing uh, D50 sounds and DX7 sounds. I think there's something about it. So I would say they deserve some... Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm not saying I'm not saying why, as in uh, you must be crazy. I was just thinking, what what purpose would you know? There must be a there must be a, a, enough of a demand for these for them to get distributors and for people to buy them. So, I've yeah. just found, uh, in fact, uh, Jason via the chat room has just uh, sent the list of changes, uh, improvements, master tune, uh, bug fixes. So yeah, there's it, a few things. I guess it's funny, isn't it, how operating system updates and sequencer updates. You know, when we were perhaps not working fully professionally, but we're in the creative mode, we're quite exciting because you sort of think, oh, yeah, maybe I'll be able to explore that new functionality. Whereas now it's the sort of thing that you and I probably go, no way, I'm not touching that. <laughs> not not <laughs> yeah. until I've got clear water between this and the next project and, and know that compatibility I, is there. And all there, was, there was, a, I think I may have told this before on, on this show, but there was a project um, I did on Windows 3.1 <laughs> and then when uh, Windows 95, I had the beta version stuff and I, I just couldn't resist it. I just installed it and and then the project played. The sound was different. It was kind of, uh, it has no high frequencies at all. It was different. So I had to have two systems. And whenever I worked on that project that was recorded on Windows 3.1, I had to go back to that and until I finished the project it was it was crazy but yeah i <clears throat> in the old days i couldn't resist uh i remember once uh, i changed i got a, a new motherboard for my pc like a um, pentium or something like that and uh or, or maybe even a 468 or something 486 um and i had a session and i had 20 minutes and i said I'm just going to go for it. And 20 minutes before the session, I took the computer apart, changed the motherboard, <laughs> put, it, put it all back together. And then when the artist came and said hello and started working, and it was all fine. It could have ended totally Very differently. Badly. But uh, yeah. God, that really is that really is living dangerously. Yeah, how how we yeah. learn, how we learn. Um, uh, what else was I looking for? That uh, oh yes, actually here we go. Um, uh, don't know if any, but some people made it to our. Um, let me just find the uh, the page. Yeah, some people made it to our Sonic State Live, which we did in I think it was November, wasn't it? I forget now. In Bristol at uh, DBS Music, and um, there was a guy Ben Shannon came over uh, to record some stuff for Canadian CBC in Canada, and uh, that's are now out. So this is the uh, the NPR. So he's there's a ten minute piece about essentially it's about the kind of the timelessness of certain synthesizer designs. He's focusing on the Moog uh, mini Moog because obviously the Adrian Utley ta he's talking to Adrian Utley. Uh, let's see if I can play. I'm Nora Young. This is Spark from your friends at CBC Radio. And interesting musical instruments that's ever been created. Mm. No, really. Ben loves synths so much, as you can tell, that a few months ago he traveled to Bristol, UK, specifically to hear synthesizer luminaries talk. But he also had a nagging question. You see, most acoustic musical instruments, like the guitar or the violin, haven't really changed in over 200 years. But electronic instruments continue to be fiddled with and upgraded. And that got Ben wondering, when will electronic musical instruments stop evolving? Imagine if each time you sat down to play piano... 
It's a very slick production, and uh, as as with a lot of radio production, I, mean, I don't know if it's taken that long to do, but it's it's a really good job. And uh, I, I like being described as a synth luminaire. And he posted this yeah, on, his web, cool. on his Facebook page, and and I said, "Oh, you made me sound like an, an adult." Thank you very much. So, uh, <laughs> but it's good. It's a fun listen. Um, but it, there's some interesting questions raised there. You know, a, a, about the fact that you know these instruments acoustic mm-hmm. instruments you know don't evolve in any way like they're they're these kind of classic i think you use the phrase canon well, which i which i use and 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 i wondered I, I, th- I put that question to you do you think that there will be a time when they stop evolving first of all can you say that the guitar hasn't evolved at all in 200 years i wouldn't necessarily say that uh no the, it depends on on which perspective you you're looking at things because the synthesizer running on an iPad is an evolution of a harpsichord. You know, it, it's a keyboard instrument that uh, later evolved into um, piano forte and then to organs and then to synthesizers. And now it's running on the iPad. So it is evolving. I, th- I think that it just the original stays the same alongside the different branch of evolution, like uh, like happens in the real world uh, of of real evolution uh, genetic evolution so um so that's that's one thing the other thing is um you know in that cars evolve i think that it's only natural that synth will synth uh, and keyboards and and things like that and all the things we love will will evolve as well i think that if you put a, a driver from years ago or let's say even 80 years ago in today's car he wouldn't they wouldn't necessarily know what to do or where to even start literally um so uh that's never been a problem for me <laughs> my car's 15 <laughs> years old <laughs> yeah i see uh, yeah. you know so things do evolve um it's just that the the classical you know the fact is that we call it classical music and classical instruments and all that so they yeah they they have their place and then at the same time they throw stems to to different that grow different branches and uh, and lead to different things no that's a good point i mean it's a bit like saying well a hammer hasn't changed functionality since it was invented uh, which is a rock, but then you've got a rock with a handle, and then you've got a rock exactly. with a, a rubber grip on the handle to stop the shot going through. Then you've got a different kind and, of metal. but essentially, and you have fu- a power yeah, hammer. The basic, the basic function is hitting things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and the basic the basic function is making music using, in this instance, a, a keyboard interface. So uh, when you know, so and the, the whatever this keyboard that whatever sound it generates basically changes but the same the, the same interface but now we're experiencing uh, a lot more interesting and uh, diverse interfaces yeah well. i think so i mean i i think um the thrust of my uh, i can't remember the exact questions he asked me because it was such a long time ago and i did listen to it a little while back um that was something along the lines of you know where is the where is the innovation coming and i was sort of suggesting that it's probably going to be in the digital the, realm because the there's price. only so much analog engineering yeah. can achieve because of the tolerances of stuff and you know the thinness no, but, of but you 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 raise an ins- interesting point that the difference actually is the price and the accessibility yes yeah um and uh, and that that that's a really good point I yeah think. it's uh, that, I think that's what my point was. It it's just everything's getting cheaper, so you can still do you can do more for this for your money. You can't do more if your money was no object, but it, the accessibility, which has been the case. That, I mean, that curve has been going for ages, hasn't it? I mean, that's. I, I was talking to somebody um, who came in to shoot the other day, and he used to do lots of remixes. I used to do lots of remixes, and we were wondering, you know, it all tailed off. And the, and, because, and it was partly because of the democratization of of music, which meant that anybody could have a crack. So remixers were doing things just because, you know, they that they they'd been given a chance, and they would do it for nothing because it mm-hmm. was kind of it it, it wasn't a, necessarily a way of living. So you know, the, the, things change from supply and demand point of view, and that's down to accessibility of the tools. I mean, if, if everybody could afford a, a, a really a high resolution three D printer that would make large objects then we wouldn't require a whole series of manufacturing sort of 
things and shops that sold things that effectively we could make in our 3D printers, but those aren't available mm -hmm. yet. I'm sure they will be, or maybe on the They will be. Yeah. I mean, Just a question of time. Just a matter I mean, of time. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's an interesting, because, I mean, you, presumably, in your studio, you've had to have all sorts of things custom-built, custom-made. Do you have, have you had any stuff 3D printed to, to you know, little widgets and, and cases and whatnots mm -hmm. to fits, or have you... No, not, not yet, not yet, not yet. Uh, there's some, there's some kind of plasticky bits on my, on my desk at the end of each channel, at the two ends of the channel, which kind of holds it together, and now I'm missing one. And it really annoys me. Where is it? Out of the 120, because there's two for each, there's one missing, and it really drives me nuts. So, uh, so maybe I'll get that one kind of get done. Three well, because the other part, this is something that I'd, I had. Uh, I there's a there's a place online where you could kind of locate people who are and have 3D printers in your area, and mm -hmm. you can either upload the uh, I can't remember what the DXF files I think they're called, or if they're close by, you can, some of them also have 3D scanners. So you can take your thing in and it will be scanned mm -hmm. to a reasonable rate. The high, really high resolution ones are very hard to uh, to come by, but you can get reasonably good. And then you can have somebody tweak the, the design because it will turn it into some kind of 3D model. And then you could, they, they can fiddle around with it and get yeah. the tolerances a bit better and then print from that. And I had the same thing. It was a blind part. Uh, and somebody, this lad made made me a few from just around, and it, it turned out it was just at the end of my garden. He was in the house opposite me, but that's that sort convenient. of stuff. I mean, that's all getting very um, William Gibson, isn't it? And that kind of you know where you have these little technical. Uh, it's like the phone shop, isn't it? You know where you go the 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 the, the non branded mobile phone shop where you can get your phone fixed and the glass fixed, and they'll, they'll yeah. have all sorts. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can imagine these little sort of funky workshops where there's uh, strange strange people in in rooms full of you know boxes and wires and stuff that can make you anything you need but you know it's the knowledge that we don't have because it's all but manufactured i, like I think that, that soon in, I, I think that soon enough we'll have one in our home you know we'll have it was it will be like a washing machine or something like that it will be probably a liquid of some sort like um mercury or something like that not that but you know something that's how i imagine it to be which is all kind of um, uh, numbered or whatever kind of uh, uh, each each molecule has its own address so you can just arrange them together and say save and you get like a whatever coffee mug or something like that and oh, and interesting and then you'll just pay for the for the usage of that you know that will be you'll it'll be it's like just... a monthly bill so you just buy a big so, block, a cubic meter of stuff that you can then turn into whatever. Yeah, you'll have a supply. It will maybe come in in running pipes like gas or something like that to your to your home. That will be the the kind of building blocks of uh, of the of the thing, and then you'll just pay someone for the usage of the software, of the designs, of the you know, to, to mm -hmm. for them to give the designers royalties and 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 all that, and then you create whatever you need maybe including even food that's an interesting you idea. Know. i wonder if uh, i mean but again that's going to be difficult for electronic components because you can't 3d print well you might be able to 3d print uh integrated circuits and chips uh but things like resistors and transistors and those sort of things they're not so easy to do i mean I, i'm sure someone will come up with a way but the miniaturization well, of it is so fiddly yeah but uh, 150 years ago people would say it's not so easy to fly you know and uh so yeah. things change and very rapidly and, yeah, uh, and the true. rate of change is increasing as well so you know yeah well i uh, think i think it's 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 coming a lot sooner than uh than we think not only that but other here. stuff as well yeah well i suppose as as resources become scarcer you know you can imagine if you've if you have a personal plastic allowance, you know, that, that you can turn into whatever you want and then you can recycle it yourself. So it's like one day it could be, you know, your camping chairs and the next, when you don't need them anymore, you can put it in a machine and it'll turn into your, I don't know, whatever it is, you know, your laptop mm -hmm. stand or whatever. I suppose that that's a kind of interesting concept. So everybody gets a finite amount of stuff to play with and then the innovation comes in the in how efficiently you can build those and design them and reconstitute them. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that, so that sounds like your, a sci-fi novel right there. Yeah, it could be your, you know, your bed that you sleep on and then you kind of 
wake up, you get out of bed, you press the button, it kind of Turn gets back bicycle. into the, <laughs> yeah, exactly, into your breakfast and then you ride on it to work. Wow. Okay. That's that. That I, even I'm having trouble to stretch that. But I, the the concept. I'm I'm liking the concept of that. Um, anyway, I think um, I don't really have much more. Excuse me. Much more to add. Um, I don't know if there's anything uh, that we had. We did have uh, the soma thing, but I think maybe we'll save that for another time. Well, I think struggle. we covered. We we've covered DX7, so that was the past. Uh, yeah. An electron update is the is the. Presence. presence and we talked about the future so i, th I think we i think we've done much covered it excellent <laughs> that's good work so what happens to you now are you are you off are you have you back to work or are you finishing for the day and then uh, back in and mixing uh no i have a i have one mix to print um and then i'm off yeah right okay well, thank you very much for joining us. It's a pleasure as ever. And uh, for, for, for putting yourself up for the one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I know we normally have more guests, mm. but uh, I think you've done a sterling job. So thank you very much indeed uh, for, for joining oh, thank us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And I'm sure, like me, you'll probably be watching the occasional Glastonbury act over the weekend. Anything that I'm trying to think mm -hmm. about who's playing that I would like to see. I can't even remember who's playing. I don't know. It's, it passes me by, I suppose. But uh, I just turn it on and, and just, you know, watch it whatever is on for however much like uh yeah that makes sense enjoy it you know what i mean uh, absolutely okay folks well thank you very much for watching don't forget uh if you want to enter the competition to win uh isotopes neutron three we're looking for the hashtag mix assistant and the hashtag neutron three the number three one word to at sonic state and at isotoping that's on twitter so it's a twitter competition the hashtag mix assistant and the hashtag neutron three to at sonic state and isotope inc and you're going to win an advanced copy if you enter that competition well i'm not saying you're definitely going to win but you're at you stand a chance of winning Anyway, that's it for this week. I want to say thank you very much uh, to my guest, Yoad Nevo. Uh, I, I'm still going to come and talk to you about uh, about that uh, um, uh, studio grid and the, the Waves technology. It sounds very interesting to me, so uh, when, next time we're up in London. But for now, we will see you next time. Thank you very much. <laughs>